Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler and I'm spring cleaning my soul. Barry's here to tell us how to declutter our spiritual lives and spark joy and justice. But before the Lord turns us into well-watered gardens and ever-flowing springs, let's welcome in our favorite heavy yokes of oppression, Meredith Barry. Good day, guys. <laughs> Good day. Good Weighing day. you down. Weighing yeah, you down. Holding me down. <laughs> holding me back. <laughs> heavy weight. What's up, guys? How are you? been a while we've we've eastered since we last have time we did this. we've we've done so much in i was two bummed weeks. i was bummed that we didn't really get to a chance to do a pod last time last week because yeah. we had a lot to talk about that was quite a service we probably should talk about quite it now service. <laughs> yep. do you want to do a little recap it was the yep. whole pod squad yeah <laughs> we were uh, all involved um i thought it was great great Tyler, easter how many people have said to you in one form or another i didn't know that you could sing oh. Dozens? A baker's you, dozen. I don't you know. had to have lost count by now. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, count. they're like, I had no idea. And my reaction was, I've been at Grace since 1997. <laughs> like, what? I've been doing this. <laughs> I haven't done it in the last three years, but I've done yeah. it. So, you know, it was it was a blast to get back into it. Marin, big ups to you for asking me to do it. Um, <laughs> Thanks for, for saying him. yes. Thanks for coming out of retirement. Yeah, no, it was it was fun, and I will play anytime that you're playing. Okay, <laughs> as long as I'm on, you'll play. Yeah, well, like I don't, I don't want to be in charge because okay. like things have changed in three years. Uh, I used to lead worship at North Indy from time to time, and it was like I literally would show up with my guitar and I would just sing songs from yeah. a and, stool or something. Yeah, yeah. There was no like Marin sending me like a week and a half in advance, like four different tracks of different <laughs> vocal arrangements. Right. I'm here's your, extra. And here's I'm your just extra. tenor part. You don't part. have to do all that. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to do that. And uh, <laughs> roadmaps of who plays when and all that. I don't want to do any of that. So if you're playing Marin, I'll play. <laughs> all right. All right. Deal. Deal. No, but it was good. It was a great weekend. Um, it, it was, I loved the whole series where, you know, we were talking about blessings and how Jesus became the curse. And it was a great cap to that series, I thought, um, mm. the what if series. And I think I thought you did a great job, Barry, of it was you were you were preaching that day. Like, got, <laughs> was got some claps, got some. It was like the gospel. It was like it's straight just, up gospel, man. Just because I was wearing <clears throat> that green jacket. That's the only yeah, reason. green jacket. <laughs> Where's that jacket your gospel people, jacket? That's my gospel jacket. <laughs> I did have something that's never happened Be to me before. I had a guy come up to me this weekend and say, Barry, you got to tell me where you got that jacket. And I'm like, my wife, I don't know. Wow. Like, <laughs> so when was uh, last time you got asked about fashion, your fashion? <laughs> never, never. I mean, it's not a thing. <laughs> Joey Christensen always, always like mocks me for my, my old shoes that I used to wear, but that's, yeah. that's not quite in the same vein. Yeah. No, I, yeah, no, it was a great weekend. I had a, I had a blast and it was fun serving with you guys. And I, you know, I kind of imagined that I was going to spend more time hanging out with you guys. And instead I was just like, I was out in the lobby after, so I was standing the whole weekend, just talking to people and yeah. I had just a lot. Flew. Yeah, it really did. I had a lot of folks, um, several, maybe 
four or five different couples say that that was their first weekend back since the pandemic because mm-hmm. they've been vaccinated. They feel comfortable coming. And, and it was, it was really cool to see some old, old familiar faces and, and, uh, that continued this weekend. Um, so it's been, it's been cool. It does feel a bit like springtime <laughs> in, in multiple yeah. ways. Yeah. yeah. It really does kind yeah. of feel like people are coming out and about a little bit more. I don't know if that's because of vaccinations an emergence. or what. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> an emergence. Speaking of that, are you going to ask us how we're doing? Tyler? No, <laughs> not today. Not okay. this week. No. Right. <laughs> What's no. new? What's new? What's happening? How are you? Emergence, guys. I am <laughs> overwhelmed by plants. It is my entire oh, life now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I talked okay. about I don't know if no, I talked about not. this last last time I talked. I think I had just started some seedlings, like I had gotten them going. I got some indoor LED lights and everything. Guys, I have it is my entire house is overrun by just garden plants. And I've been spending all my free time out in the garden, moving wheelbarrows, load wheelbarrow loads of stuff. And I have a unique problem that I didn't expect. So I, I started, you know, you get those little, those little seed starting trays. They have like 15 modules. And so I would start, I'd sprinkle in several different seeds of every different thing in each module, just thinking, okay, maybe one or two or four will take root and and work. Well, apparently the seeds I had were fine because it was like every module, every seed. And so now I have like 15 banana pepper plants. (laughs) I'm like, I don't need, I don't need this many banana peppers. And how many banana peppers grow per plant? Like 25, 30. So you're going to, you're going to have too many. Yeah, yeah. Because when I you will. told me I have 15 <laughs> banana pepper plants, I'm like, I could find use for 15 banana peppers. What if you no, had like how, a roadside like cart outside yeah, your I, home? I mean, then someone would have yeah. to man it, but I... No, I mean, honor system. Honor system. Yeah. Oh. A bucket. Yeah, well, regardless, I'll be bringing in tons of fresh produce to every meeting I go to and on the weekends and stuff like that. Cause we're going to end up having way more, way more than we need eating peppers during our meetings from yeah, just raw banana peppers. By the way, I will, I will take one of everything. I was out of town when your team's message came in. Okay. Well, one of everything you need to, all right, I'll get you a, I'll get you a module filled with, we got to work fast though, cause they're all starting to get root bound and I don't have enough potting soil to, to move them over to solo cups. And so, like I said, it's taking over my life. I have like, I have like 40 solo cups full of plants that I'm, that I like with individual plants that I'm hardening off outside and I have to bring them in at night. So sorry, hard it's, you guys. Wow. It's a new life. What are we doing? We're, is that what you're supposed to do? It's the right Did way to do it. they do this if, in 1800? Yes. If they you want to start their plants? stuff from seed, I don't know about bringing in the plants, but oh. if you want to start stuff from seed and have a decent harvest, you have to start them early enough, but it's still cold out. So you've got to be, yes. yeah. it's, it's all this, this gamble of like, when do I put them yeah. in the ground? Cause if it's, if it's a frost then all those tomato plants are dying. So yeah, we did all that last year yeah. and this year there was just zero time yeah. to dedicate to gardening. So over at the Gaffron homestead, all we have right now are chives, which I guess grow back every year because I did nothing. And yeah, there they are. Well, you are welcome. And they're hardy. Hardy chives. They just keep coming just, back. I mean, we've had a couple of frosts. I haven't oh, brought man. my chives in the house. There are they some. Just, oh, they're guys, trucking. So some plants really are like frost resistant, like especially leafy greens seem to do well. And do you guys remember in November when I planted in one of those Actually, it was in the December series, but I filmed it in November of me planting as like an, an illustration, planting these seedlings in the ground. It was part yeah. of the- yeah, Oh, you did was, that for real? Yeah, it was. I really did that because <laughs> I, I had planted some stuff and I had started some seeds in the fall just I to see- you were just acting. No, no, no. It was real. Um, and I just planted them in some in my raised bed just to see like- 
would these guys do okay in the cold, whatever? Cause you can do it. I started them a little too late, but regardless, two of them that I planted, they came back in the spring. And so I've got these two like healthy little romaine plants just growing up out of the ground. And I was like that, that will preach because <laughs> it, awesome. they, uh, they survived the winter. So I don't and know. And after they were done filming, he asked the uh, camera guy to chip, put his gloves on and start chipping in. To get some work done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sweat yeah. Do, <laughs> do, do some chores. <laughs> anyway, so I'm fine. It's just been all yeah. plants all the time Emergence. in my life. <laughs> how are you guys? Marin, how are you? Um, good. You're good. Uh, I just, uh, rested. Yeah. Yeah. You're fresh off uh, of vacation. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we had a family trip planned last year, um, to go to Gatlinburg again with Jed's side of the family. We'd only done this one, one time before. Um, but anyway, when everything shut down last year, we had to take a rain check. And so that got pushed until spring break of this year. So mm-hmm. I'm fresh off a trip with my whole in-laws side of the family, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, their kids, um, both in-laws, um, lots of hiking, lots and lots of ice cream consumption. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. And gotta do that. best part of the whole thing, coming home with a brand new banjo. That's oh, what's new what? in our house. Whoa. Banjo, banjo playing. Uh, who He's, knows how to play the banjo in your house? Absolutely Jed? no one. But uh, Jaden <laughs> is killing it already. Like, oh, I, of course I he love, is. Of course he is. Of course he is. I love hearing, I mean, my daughter plays different instruments. My son plays instruments and it's the coolest thing just to hear this sound like floating out from Mm -hmm. their bedrooms. Mm -hmm. No matter where I am in the house, I can hear it. And I'm so excited. Now we have a banjo and I'm listening to Jaden practicing. Has he found his favorite picking style yet? Because I know there's like three key styles or something like that. Yeah, I think so. One of his favorite artists uses a ton of banjo in their music. Uh And right now he's just figuring out those riffs that that artist used. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like even the the shop that we bought the banjo from, that shop owner was trying to teach us some patterns and things like that. And I sat down to try it. And he's like, no, you're doing it the guitar way. That's a guitar thing you're doing. This is a banjo. <laughs> what is it? No, well, I clearly yeah. don't have the gift, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was cool. What is a banjo? Like, is it a drum with guitar strings on it? What Essentially, is it? yeah, we, we were talking about it on the way home, how it, really for Jaden, it's kind of a combination of the two things he loves the most. It has a skin scratch, stretched across it like a drum would. Um, but it's metal on the outside, so it resonates like a resonator. Um, but of course, it's a stringed instrument, and he got the five-string variation. They do make a six-string variation that would be tuned like mm-hmm. a normal guitar, but he got like the the OG, classic. the yeah. classic five-string banjo that's tuned completely differently from every other stringed instrument we have in our house. So he, well, he needs to. I mean, it. is he is he a fan of Punch Brothers? Like, it's my favorite band, and they have. Mm-hmm. A I've virtuoso, what? virtuoso Marin. banjo player as a part of it. No. That he needs wow, to listen I to them feel. because that's like uh, yeah. they do some like traditional bluegrass, really crazy time signatures, amazing stuff, and they also Chris do. Thiele. Yeah, it's Chris Thiele. He's the mandolin player, kind of the lead for for Punch Brothers. But they also do like modern rock with huh. with bluegrass instruments, and they'll do like jazz. It's super crazy, awesome stuff, and that's there awesome. will occasionally be like a banjo solo done in the style of like an electric guitar solo, but done with banjo yeah, 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 strumming yeah. is super crazy. I That's love awesome. So you got to introduce him. 
Send it my way on, on the, so he drove all the way to North Carolina and back, not North Carolina, Gatlinburg and back, um, which ended up being round trips somewhere in like the 15 hour, like that's how much time he spent driving on this trip was got to get his hours hours in totally (laughs) almost done. Um, but on the way home, it was just me and Jaden in the car. Desi rode with Jed since he had to drive separately. And so we played this game where pretty much every song we listened to on the way home had a banjo in it Mm. somewhere. Mm -hmm. And it didn't have to be bluegrass. There's an occasional rock song that features banjo, but we we called it our banjo odyssey. No, zero country music was involved. Wow. (laughs) Because those are our rules. That's how we banjo. Uh, I've always had a problem with the banjo. (laughs) Okay. Let's hear it. (laughs) (laughs) It's finally getting it. It's finally getting off his chest. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's a little arrogant as an instrument because it's like guitars have, you know, on the peg, what do they call it? The peg head? Headstock? What? Where the pegs are? Okay. Sure. The knobs? Sure. Yes. The tuning keys. Pegboard. Yeah, pegboard. I don't. (laughs) Guitar, they're all in the same place. Yeah. They're all in the same place. There's three up top, three at the bottom, whatever. The banjo thinks it's it's got like four where yeah. the guitar pegs are. And then it's got a giant one just sticking out of the top of the neck. <laughs> and I've always just been annoyed. Well, extra, at that. extra appendage. Well, I mean, if you think what, that's what we, annoying, you should see the sitar. It's older, <laughs> much, much older cousin. What, why, why is that? <laughs> why Music, is it that way? Science. Music just and science. Put it with I everybody else. Know. You're not special. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know the guy we bought it from in this little shop somewhere in Gatlinburg, he had a 1969 Gibson Marauder sitting in the corner that looked just beat to death. And I cared more about that guitar than I did about anything else I saw in the shop. (laughs) And I was like, I want you to tell me the story of that guitar. And the first thing he said was, that's not for sale. Oh. Uh, then he and then told like, me, no, I really want to know. <laughs> yeah. So he was in a band Get that out. toured with his neighbor that lived behind him in Canada, a guy by the name of Robbie Robertson, who probably doesn't mean anything to you guys, but is like the Gaffrin's like biggest musical hero ever. Like, I really? can't believe that that's the name that he dropped. <laughs> I, I about fell over when he said he was Robbie Robertson's neighbor. Robbie Robertson was in the band. The band played for Bob Dylan. The band was like huge at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so that's the guy we bought this banjo from. That dude wow, toured cool. with like our family's musical hero. So Has Jaden wanted a banjo? Is this a family <laughs> yes. banjo or is it Jaden's banjo? <laughs> that is also a good question. Um, Jaden has been wanting a banjo for a very long time okay. and Jaden will be the primary keeper and player of the banjo. Mm-hmm. But like with Jaden's Christmas present, um, which gets more use from Jed than it does from Jaden, <laughs> it will probably be a family that? item. Um, I, I always say it wrong. I always say it's a PS3, but it's not. It's like a PS5. 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 Okay. Okay. There it is. If you got a yeah. PS3 for Christmas. <laughs> sorry, man. I'm sorry, Jaden. <laughs> yeah, but oh, I think Jaden Jaden's actually going to lay claim to this one and it's not going to end up just getting used by Jed every day. So. Uh, yeah, probably not. Probably safe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're in a new series, guys. Uh, week one of a new series called Tidying Up. And we planned this series literally like two years ago. Yeah, it's true. And uh, crazy. We finally get to do it. Pandemic hit last year. We couldn't do it. And. 
So uh, we're finally doing it. And the essence of it is spring cleaning for our souls, right? That's kind of the. Yeah. The That's the tagline. catchy tagline. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Barry, you gave the sermon this past weekend. Um, the theme of it is sparking joy with justice. So can you kind of give us the big idea first for the series and sure. then for this past weekend? Yeah. Yeah. The big idea for the series is just based on the idea that like, as we live our lives, our, our, our physical world can get kind of cluttered and filled up with junk and that drains us and keeps us from doing the things that really matter. Same thing can happen with our spiritual lives. We can, we can let a bunch of junk build up that, that prevents us from really experiencing what we want to experience and experiencing joy in life and, and all the good stuff that, that God promises us. And so this series is just a, a chance for us to look at some of those things and look at what scripture has to say about clearing them out and, mm-hmm. and getting the, I use the metaphor of my garage, just like getting a clean garage, which makes you want to do more projects. And that's kind of what we want with our spiritual life. Um, as far as this series goes, or sorry, this particular sermon goes, I was, uh, we went to Isaiah 58. And the idea that I brought out of that passage was that we can spark joy with justice, God's justice. And so the whole sermon was basically around the idea of if we want to experience God's presence and uh, answers to our prayers and uh, engagement with God, with the things that we, you know, that are important to us, like we have to dive into what's important to him and what's important to him is mercy and compassion and caring for our neighbor and uh, that that kind of deal. And so the, the passage, Isaiah 58, is this really provocative passage that essentially God is promising, look, if you want to come alive, if you want to be a, a well-watered garden, as he, as Isaiah says, then, uh, then give your life to care for those that are less fortunate. And mm-hmm. by doing so, you will uh, you will experience a, an awakening. You'll experience joy. You'll experience life. And so mm-hmm. that was essentially what I asked our congregation to consider as well. How could we pursue God's justice in our world in a way that that unlocks life and joy for us? There you go. Yeah, and you pr- you primarily focused, like you said, on Isaiah fifty eight, and you kind of split it up <clears throat> verses one through five, and then six through twelve. Yeah, and uh, one through five. It's like Israelites trying to earn God's favor by doing religious stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And then scripture says they appear excited to know about God. They act righteous, but God isn't impressed because they're doing it out of self-interest. That's kind of the first look at the the passage that you used. And my question in the moment um, is how often I do things out of self-interest that I'm trying to earn God's favor. So like... um, I haven't done this recently, but I have come to church before or like gone to a Bible study or listen to a worship song or something. And I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not getting fed or I don't really get much from, I didn't really get much from that sermon or I didn't get much for, I don't, I don't get much from the worship song or whatever. You're just looking for what you're going to get out of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm performing my faith as like a benefit to me versus like the glory of God. And so mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I saw a lot of similarities between the first half of that chapter or the first half of those 12 verses and the, uh, in, in the Israelites. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I agree. I, I grew up in a, 
I mean, I grew up in the evangelical church, squarely in the middle of the evangelical church, and I understood that it was all of the doing all the right things and the right behaviors and the right morality that would like somehow earn me God's favor or get me in right standing with God. And so I spent a lot of my time and energy trying to do stuff so that God would give me what I want. And again, it yeah. was all, it was all self-interest. Um, I mean, yeah, I could go into lots of examples. I'm sure we all could, but that was kind of, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying that that does happen. And it still happens today. It's easy to, to think, well, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to church so that I can feel something or I'm going to journal so yeah. that I can whatever earn points <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the, as if it works that way. And the second thing I was thinking during this part of the sermon, uh, it says the Israelites were asking for God's blessing, or you said the Israelites mm-hmm. were asking for God's blessing while also spreading the curse to others. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of the, have you seen those TikTok videos where there's like, it's like Christians singing. Well, somebody who's saying like, this is a Christian singing and they're like raising their hands, singing oceans. But the caption says Christians in church, 20 minutes after flipping the bird off or flipping the bird to someone in traffic and like spirit. Lead. <laughs> like it's like, <laughs> right. They're, Just, they're asking to be blessed while like mm. 20 minutes ago, cursing, cursing sure. a bunch of people. Mm. Anyways, those are my, no, I haven't seen those TikToks, <laughs> but I do. Now. I can, I can imagine them. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yes, exactly. Um, so Isaiah 50, 58, 6 through 12, that's kind of when it shifts to yeah. what God wants and, for them. And real quick, in case anybody cares, yes, 13 and 14 are also very important, but to I, I cut them out because to try to explain <laughs> concept of Sabbath in the relation to the rest of it, it all fits. It's all in line. It just made it would have been way more than I could have gotten into in the message. So Did I didn't. somebody ask you about that? No, no. But I, in my own head, I'm like. I'm going around thinking, should I talk about 13 and 14? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I, that's how I am as if anybody cares, but I care. Cause it is, it is, it is absolutely tied in. And if you really want to know how, go back and listen to my sermon about the Sabbath in the, uh, yeah. the return to Eden series a couple of years ago. Uh, look it up on the website if you want to know. Anyway, sorry, I'll stop talking, but that I had to get that out there. You had to. <clears throat> um, so there's a night and day difference between, what the Israelites are doing and what God wants for them. Um, well, I, what that, I said was there's a night and day difference between how God is behaving or God, how God is acting mm. towards them, which okay. is why I was like, so what is the deal? Like, why does he, why is he not answering their prayers kind of frustrated with them in one point? And then immediately he's like answering their prayers instantly. And he's given them all these good things. What, what caused the difference in his behavior? And you said that that difference is God's justice. Yeah. Yeah. They're pursuing God's justice, which I described as, as, uh, you know, all of the things that bring humanity that join God in the work of bringing humanity back to blessing and back to Eden. And so, um, I think for whatever reason we have turned, we te- seem to have turned justice and like work of compassion into some kind of secondary deal where it's like, what really matters is our spiritual blah, blah, blah. And like, if we've got leftover time or energy, maybe let's care for our neighbor. But if you read Jesus, words, if you read the Old Testament prophets, if you read the whole Bible, it sure does seem like making things right, which is what justice is all about. Righteousness, honestly, Mm -hmm. that's actually something that's really, really important to God. And we would, yeah. So I, I basically said, yeah, that's, what's important to God. It's the work that he's doing. And so when we do it, when we join him in it, no wonder he's already right there. He we're working shoulder to shoulder with him. And so he's going to bless what we 
what we, who we are and what we're experiencing because he's, he's right there with us. And should be a natural outgrowth of us following the greatest commandment to love the Lord, our God with all of our mind, soul and strength. I think sometimes people do put the cart before the horse and make, you know, justice, the main aim right. while forgetting their first love. Right. But the justice that's described here in Isaiah 50, 58, it clearly comes out of putting God in his rightful place and yeah. loving him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. And then, yeah. you know, he leads us into these acts of justice. Yeah. And I, and I tried to make it clear. I, I didn't get as into it and as deeply into it as I could have, but I tried to make it clear that I'm talking about God's justice, not the, mm-hmm. not the human develop, not what we think of as just, yeah. but, but what God thinks of as just, um, which you're right. It's, I mean, as Jesus says, this is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as mm-hmm. yourself to him. Those two things are intertwined because they are the way in which we live in our world, loving God mm-hmm. and loving others. And, and yeah, this is, they are, they are intertwined, but I agree. Yeah. It's our love for God that actually prompts us to, to choose a life of, of justice and compassion. If we're just trying to do the, the justice and compassion, but we're doing it for selfish reasons or for whatever, for any other reason, then we're, we're not necessarily going to be experiencing the blessing because mm-hmm. that, that, that God promises because, uh, he wants it to flow out of our relationship with him, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's our love for God that even gives us eyes to see yeah. the need around us sometimes. Um, because and I, I'm not trying to jump ahead, Tyler. I'm sure you'll ask this question later, but like the biggest question for me, I had two of them. Am I spreading the curse? Hmm. Like what, what clutter have I let build up? What junk has built up in my life? Here I am. Like I work in a church, but that's, that's not like a clear indication that I'm in no way spreading the curse. Right. Like, right. so I, I could be doing it too. Am I doing it? Where am I doing it? Um, and then the se- second question was, well, then what do I, what do I do now? Like if I mm. can't jump on a plane and go to Ukraine right. and you know, I felt I've said this on this podcast before, like there were other times in my life where helping the poor and needy was something I did every day as part of my everyday work life, everyday ministry life, um, working in impoverished schools in the city or working in a homeless shelter in the city. And now I live in the suburbs. So it just, it doesn't appear as readily accessible as it has in other seasons of my life. So that was my other big question is, okay, well, you know, God give me eyes to see the need in my own backyard. How do I do that? Yeah. You're right. And it, because it's not so immediately explicit sometimes it, it, it could be hard to know, well, or it could be hard to think of what we're doing as, as God's justice. But like uh, what you were, what, as you were saying that one thing that popped into my mind is my, my elderly neighbors, um, they are, they have family around. So they're not like they're, they're not destitute. They're not completely abandoned, but at the same time, they're at a stage in life where they have needs, uh, where they, you know, have problems. I mean, Sue, I I don't think that they're friends of the pod, but if they are, Hey, Bill and Sue love you guys. But (laughs) like, like Sue, uh, fell the other day while Bill was gone. And so she texted me and Olivia. And so I ran over and checked on her. Like that's in my mind, that's, that's the kind Mm. of thing that's an act of justice. Cause it is, I'm seeing the needs of my neighbor, of, of, even though it's not about finances, it's not about money. That wasn't about that. It was about compassion 
And I think there's, there's countless. And so that's why at the end of the message, sorry, Tyler, again, we're probably way taking over your agenda here, but yeah, next week we're talking, no. <laughs> but, but that's why at the end of the message, as I was kind of having people think through where are people in your life or who, who are in your life, who's in your life, that's in need of your, your help. One of the things I was saying was like, who's been wrongfully imprisoned and don't just think mm. about physical prisons who needs a home. Don't just think about literal homes like that, that I think when we start to open our mind up a little bit, it's, it, it gets beyond just the normal categories of what we would humanly refer to as justice. It gets into right, the, the rightness of our world that we can help to facilitate. No, that's good. Um, my question with that, with those questions is what if, what if my answer to those is me? What if I'm the person that feels imprisoned or I'm the person that has been carrying the whatever or needs a home. <clears throat> I remember, I think it was last year we did a sermon or a series in response to COVID like about isolation yeah. and loneliness. And the takeaway was if you feel lonely, step out of yourself and go uh, take a risk and have communion with community with other people. If you feel lonely, do something about that. Mm-hmm. Is the act of doing something for another person who needs a home or uh, feels imprisoned, is the is that is that kind of the same thing? Like, if you want to declutter your soul, do something for someone else. Um, like, could I could I say I'm carrying a heavy yoke right now, hmm. but even if I just relieve that for someone else that I I know is also doing carrying mm-hmm. a heavy yoke, is that? Is that what is decluttering for your soul? I believe the answer is yes. And I would say for the same reason that I, I mentioned my, the many people, my friends that I've met around the world who are doing incredible work in terrible places in Jesus name. Right. I, I talked about them and I talked about those in Ukraine and elsewhere, but like even my friends in Kenya, I mean, the ones that I knew in, in Kibera slum who were giving of themselves to help their neighbors. And as a result, they were living these, these wonderful, joyful lives with, you know, Mm well-watered garden lives. Like they were also living under the yoke of poverty and the yoke of, Mm -hmm. of oppression of one form or another. And there was intertribal violence and racism and all that stuff going on there. So like it's, they were hardly at the top of the heap as far as humanity is concerned. Mm -hmm. And yet God gave them that, that the, the blessing that, that I think this passage points to while they were in the process of joining him in the work of making our world look more like the kingdom. So Mm -hmm. I think the answer Tyler is yes. I think, I don't think the answer, if you feel like you're under a yoke is just to sit back and say, well, when is someone going to deal with my yoke? I think the answer is go and you untie the cords of someone else's yoke and watch what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So it got me thinking like about my own life and where, where there's clutter or chaos in my own life, like what areas. And for me, for me, the areas that are the most easily cluttered (laughs) fall into like four or five different categories. And I feel like it could apply to most people, but number one marriage, like that is easily cluttered, easily chaos because uh, at the end of the day, like we have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and we're pouring our energies into just keeping them alive that by the end of the day, it's like, 
oh yeah, we're married. Uh, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah. it's like, um, not top priority all the time. So, um, it, it's easily becomes chaotic and like mm. knowing, knowing, like sifting through the clutter of, of life to get to, oh yeah, this is the person I've made vows with. Right. Um, parenting is another place that feels chaotic, hmm. uh, or cluttered. Cause like, as soon as you think, you know, what's up with your kids, it's a nightmare. <laughs> like Lane sleeps like a rock. He's, he's 14 months old or something close <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> sleeps like no problem. Well, last night he didn't, he was just awake and playing in his bed and crying and whatever, but he wouldn't go to sleep. And so, um, like, I don't know. I, I'm the kind of person that's like, oh, I have him figured out. Like I can, I know exactly when he needs to sleep and he will and whatever. But as soon as that wrench gets thrown into it, it's like clutter. It's like, right. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, so that's number two. Church is another thing. It's like, goes without saying, but Grace Church is a bit in transition and we're trying to unclutter some things. Uh, but it, for me, it feels, it has felt like, what are we doing? Okay. Yeah. Let's, uh, I'm, I'm committed to this place, but it feels a bit like chaotic at times. Yeah. Um, health and fitness. I don't do physical things with my life. <laughs> it's a bit chaotic. All right. Uh, and then finally, a uh, relationship with Jesus if everything else in my life is cluttered and full of chaos, um, this obviously suffers. So I wanted your kind of reaction to that. Like, what are, what are some of the areas that when we're talking about decluttering our soul, what are some of the areas that we can look at in daily practical lives? That's like, these are the areas, this is a practical thing that is easily potentially cluttered. And if you were to go lift the yoke, for someone else in this area, perhaps you would feel decluttering in this area for you. Well, I could tell you, and this is definitely more true for me back in my world next door days when I was traveling all over the place. But when I was in a time season of my life where I was consistently, uh, consistently rubbing shoulders with the least of these to use Jesus's term, uh, to when I was constantly in places ex like witnessing extreme poverty and hunger and the ravaging effects of HIV AIDS. Uh, I mean, just like you name it, child sex trafficking. Like I just kept encountering these awful things and seeing what God was doing to heal them at the same time. And for me, the, the uncluttering happened because my goodness, it was so much easier to remember, okay, this is what's important and this is not important. Um, and so for me, that was a, a decluttering thing, but that's a, mm. almost an extreme. Nobody's going to, nobody's living that, that kind of a lifestyle where you're constantly being exposed to new injustices. But I will say my first response to that, Tyler, is that there is something about being exposed to true need that puts your mm. needs in perspective and helps to kind of keep the main thing, the main thing. You're less focused on some of the, some of the things that cause us so much clutter and anxiety in our minds when you're at least seeing and thinking about the things that probably take a little bit more precedence or matter a little more. Yeah. I don't know. Marin, what about you? I'm struck between the similarities of Isaiah 58, six through 12. This is the kind of fasting I want. 
Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share food with the hungry. So on and so forth. To me, that's directly parallel with seeking first the kingdom of God. Mm. And then all these other things will be added unto you. And to bear in mind that it is fasting we're talking about, and that's a form of prayer. Mm. And so like when the rest of my life feels out of control, which believe me over the last couple of months of this transition, it's felt wildly out of control at times. Um, but I'm always just compelled and driven back to prayer because I have to go back to the source. And when I go to the source, he gives me and promises to give me energy to continue to seek first the kingdom and do all these things and continue to do all of these things. Um, then my light will shine from the darkness um, and the darkness will be as bright as the noon. Um, he'll guide me continually, giving me water when I'm dry and restoring my strength. Mm. We we did a ton of hiking this last week in, mm. in Gatlinburg. And I saw some of those ever flowing springs. They're the, mm -hmm. the most beautiful, beautiful sights to see these moss covered rocks and this water that's just in constant motion, constant motion. The most beautiful thing, yeah. teeming with life. My son, we, 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 we did a hike as a family. That was like a one and done hike. That was 14 of us out there hiking with small children in tow, like that was rough. So then we did another hike of just me, Jed and Jaden. And we did it at the pace of Jaden. And the pace of Jaden is very slow because yeah. he will find every for the inchworm, yeah. every crayfish. He did find multiple newts and his first like actual lizard he ever found in the forest. But I mean, he found it's so much life. And where does he go to find most of it? Along the, the beds of the creek. Hmm. Like these, these free flowing, well-watered rivers are, are just that they're teeming with life. So when you were talking about how we could be that, that's a representation of the kind of lives that we could have flourishing, rich, but only if we seek first the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. we go back to the source we, we make the main thing, the main thing and everything else flows out, flows out from that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And Marin, you and he said that fasting is a form of prayer. Fasting is also a form of self-denial, which is what it kind of comes into again, when we are seeking our own outcomes, when the purpose is the, our own benefit, then that's, that's a surefire way to make sure that the clutter just keeps adding up when we are mm -hmm. seeking the benefit mm. of our world, of our broken surroundings, of our neighbors, that's when all of a sudden, as as you said, Aaron, all these other things will be added to you as well. It's 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 a shift of focus. Mm. I think it would be wrong to say that that we should go looking for that to become a well-watered spring and we should go like we should do this for the wrong motives. I think that that would probably be missing the point. But I think you're right. When we are giving of ourselves, when our fasting, our self-denial, our prayer is focused on God, where are you working so I can join you? That's when we start to experience those things. Mm -hmm. And I think the decluttering sort of is a byproduct in some sense, even though I know in the sermon series, we're kind of referring to it as an active thing that we're doing. We're mixing metaphors here. It's, it's all <laughs> my, my metaphors are cluttered. I gotta, I gotta declutter my metaphors. <laughs> what role do you think confession plays in this? 
decluttering. I, I, I'm asking because I think for me personally, when I do a quick inventory of those areas that I just listed and I'm like, okay, there's clutter there, there's clutter there, it's chaos, it's whatever. I feel like I have to empty some of that stuff out. I gotta, I gotta empty out my pride, my anger, my resentment, idolatry, fear, anxiety, all that stuff. Those things need to be emptied. You got to take that trash out. Uh, I can't keep sweeping those things under the rug and expect Hmm. my life to feel less cluttered. I have to take that out and confess to God those things. What, what role do you feel like confession has in any of this? Um, I think, I think it's actually really, that's a great point to bring into this, Tyler. I think it's Hmm. really valuable to do some, to do some introspection and to understand like what is what is the sin what is the brokenness that's built up in your life and and how do I what do I how do I own it when I was in Kenya back in 2005 one of the things I I decided to do for some reason I was on a little this little personal retreat which they had us do as a part of Nairobi Chapel we had to go away and do like a little 2-day retreat and one of the things I decided to do just for kicks I guess <laughs> is to list out every sin or unconfessed sin pattern in my life. I don't know why it was a, it was like a time of deep self-discovery. Oh, it was fun. No, it was a time of, it was like a time in my life where I was really getting to know myself. And so I was like, yeah, let's just, let's just jot this down, get all three or four sins out of the, out in the open. And I kept writing and writing and writing. And then I flipped the page and kept writing. And and I was like, I, I had done such a great job of compartmentalizing all of the mess to that mm-hmm. point that I was convinced I was pretty much fine. Fine. Yeah. And, and so then all of a sudden I had this like page and a half of just, just junk. And it made me realize, Oh, I've got work to do. It's kind of yeah. like if you're cleaning your house one or really trying to unclutter your house, one of the best things you can do is take everything out of all of the, the closets and yeah. the, put it all in the middle of the room and actually put, start deciding what am I going to set put it on back. fire? Oh, well, yeah, or set it too. on fire. Yeah. But it's just like, cause then you see like, wow, I didn't really think, cause otherwise all you do is you're yeah. taking something out of a closet and you're putting it into another closet. Yeah. You're not really, you're not really tidying up. You're just yeah, shuffling you things around. So when yeah. you actually see it all out in the open, uh, it, yeah, it makes you think, well, I don't, I don't need this. I don't want this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Well, and have you ever seen those shows where like they do just that, but there's a team of people involved. Marie Kondo is a good example of that show where sometimes mm-hmm. you do need the eye of somebody else yeah. to help you identify something that you're holding on to that maybe you don't need to hold on to anymore. Right. And I think that's a metaphor for confession. Mm. It's why um, rooted in small groups are so important to us as a church that no man is an island and we're not doing this Christian thing alone, but you know, we we have community and we have each other um, to confess to Mm -hmm. or to lovingly, lovingly help identify, Hey, I think you've been holding on to that for a long time. And, you know, maybe it's time to let go. You know, I think that's all part of what it means to be in a true flourishing, vibrant church community. Well, that's exactly right. That's, that's what Barry, that's what you were saying is like, when I, when you said who's been imprisoned, I'm thinking about the people that have not let stuff go. Hmm. And if you can free them from that as a Christ follower, as a brother, sister, whatever, if you can help free them from that, that is, that is powerful for you, but it's also powerful for them, obviously. Hmm. And this, and this just kind of hit my mind. Um, 
I think when you, we talk about confession so often, I mean, it obviously, cause it's the main definition of it, but so often we go to our own sins and our own, like the evil within us. But I think there's also an aspect where we need to be willing to confess our shame. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. we allow things to define us, to be, to, to let shame kind of, uh, tell us who we are. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think that also needs to be confessed. That just sparked in my mind, Tyler, when you were talking about helping other people, I think we as Christ followers, as a, as a community, we do have a, a role to play in helping people uh, untie the cords of the yoke of their shame mm-hmm. that keeps them locked into false self identities that, that are not who God sees them to be. And yet they continue to live as if that was the case. Yeah. Mm. No, that's so, good. Hmm. Or even Tyler, to go back to the question you asked a couple of minutes earlier about what if I am the hungry person or yeah. what if I am the, the person who feels oppressed, maybe you need to confess that you have needs. Mm. Mm. And sometimes mm. We don't even do that. I, I'm the chief offender of that. <laughs> I, I will just muscle through difficult seasons in life without ever reaching out and saying, Hey, I'm struggling and I really need prayer right now. Yeah. 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 Usually the time, the time Marin does not reply to my text is when I'm asking her, what do you need? Or like, <laughs> what, what can we do to help? <laughs> it's just silence. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you got, I was there for the 11 o'clock service and Mm. you got uh, emotional talking about your experience, particularly in Ukraine. And all three of us have been to Ukraine. Marin, did you go to Zhitomer? Wait, no, did you go to Romanov? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to just take a a different place now, Marin. I I don't know if we talked about it, but it is absolutely. And that's the best part of that story when you really talk, yeah. talk about Romanov is how much the love of Mission to Ukraine shaped that place mm-hmm. and changed it. Like mm-hmm. it is it is not the same place that I went to in yeah. 2009. And it, yeah. even when I went in 2009, it wasn't the same place as it was the mm-hmm. year before when they first started mm-hmm. going. Um, when they, when yeah. they first started going, I mean, the, they said the walls were painted black and there were bars wow. on all the windows. Like that's. And they were literally like tied to their bed. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you were there too, Tyler, to see all that? Yeah, I went there yeah. in uh, either 08 or 09. Yeah, I can't remember. But. Yeah, well, and when I was there, they told me there's a um, a camp for girls that to that point they still hadn't been yeah. allowed into. Yeah. So what you guys saw in 2009 or whenever still exists somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah, I got emotional, and um, I mean, <laughs> I kind of always do when I think about what I experienced there. Um, it, it not only did it just change me, but it was such a beautiful example of the love of Jesus, both in both being lived out through the staff at mission to Ukraine, but also being experienced by the staff of mission to Ukraine. They were those well-watered gardens. They were mm. alive. And, and I didn't mention this in the sermon, but my first visit to Ukraine, I was there for two and a half weeks. That's it. And mm. by the time I was getting ready to leave, like I was, we were all weeping because we had become such dear brothers and sisters in Christ in two and a half weeks. Like mm-hmm. that's crazy. But it was because we met each other in a place that I had not really met people before. It was this, this place of service, this place of compassion, man. I, I mean, and I, I, I wasn't exaggerating when I said just how much my emotions changed 
from that first visit to Romanov where I was in the corner thinking, don't touch me to the, to the time when I was <laughs> the end of my two and a half weeks there, when I'm running in there and sitting with the boys yeah. and hugging the boys and like something dramatically shifted in my heart. And so it, mm. it kind of bonded me to those folks in a way that I never would have expected. I mean, Ukraine, I mean, whoever thought about mm-hmm. Ukraine, I, I never was on my radar until I went. And, and now it's like one of my favorite places in the world. I had almost the identical experience with Romanov as you did. And you brought up confessing shame. Like that is something that I've, like I, the first time, first couple of times I went, I was the same. Like I saw people hitting their heads on the walls and mm-hmm. bleeding or whatever. And I, I was, I, even in the moment I was like, why do I, I hate that? I feel like the way I do, but I don't want to be yeah. anywhere near that. It's scary. It scares me. Yeah. And ever since then, um, not ever since then, but for, for years after that, it was like, I was, I was full of shame about that moment. Mm. Cause I was like, I'm here to, I'm here to learn and minister and all these things. And here I am, like, I don't even want to get close, you know? Mm. And, um, you're right. Like turning, even turning shame over mm. to, to Christ to un, unclutter our yeah. soul is important because once I was able to do that, that was the moment, um, where my my eyes opened and shifted a little bit to yeah. being way more open to the that group. Yeah. And I I know I usually I always have my little list of who I used to be the uh comfort loving picky eating couch potato video game addict. I should add germaphobe to that list cuz I I'm even to this day I'm still the kind of guy that like I won't touch the handrails on a subway car like <laughs> I find a way not to. Well, yeah. That kind of thing. What are you a monster? I yeah, right. So so the idea of having you know, a boy who smells like feces holding yeah. you or, or like hugging you. It, that's hey the man, kind of, that's that's the, that happens to me every single day. <laughs> oh, you're right. Good point. Good point. <laughs> happens uh, to me every single, multiple times a day. But yeah. yeah, but, but being in that, in that environment and letting love become the primary action <laughs> and whatever love required of me is what I would do. That, that so shaped me, so changed me that, Marin, I don't even know if you know this, but Towards the end of my time at World Next Door, I went back to Ukraine for a season and I actually lived at Romanov Orphanage for a week. Did you know that? Mm-mm, yeah. yeah. So I actually lived there and just spent, I went to all every meal with the boys and I spent time hanging out with them all, all week with my, my interpreter and wow. we would just hang out and I slept in one of the beds in the, in the orphanage and created videos mm. and mm. it's wild guys. I can't, sometimes <laughs> I think back, I was like, did I, did I do any of that? That's yeah. wild, man. Uh, yeah. What a journey. But you're, you're over there to seek the kingdom. Mm. You're not over there on vacation. You're over there seeking the kingdom, seeking God, putting him first. And he reveals these things that you need to deal with. He, re- mm-hmm. he reveals the way you feel and the shame you felt in that moment. These are things that you would never have known you even felt had yeah. you not first sought the kingdom. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so I think that's that's my takeaway from this message is that I might be frustrated that I can't as easily identify the the clutter in my life or the needs around me or whatever. I I need eyes to see. Mm. And I'm only gonna have those eyes to see 
as I continue to follow him and seek him and he'll be faithful to reveal that clutter to me yeah, or to reveal the need in my own backyard that I'm having a hard time seeing, you know, Mm. okay, Lord, I want to bring justice. I want to help bring about new creation. Sign me up. But, but where, how, you know, there's this feeling of helplessness that accompanies messages like this sometimes. But as we seek him first, he will reveal first the poverty within our Mm. own spirits and our own hearts. And then he'll reveal to us the poverty around us. Um, and the injustices around us and he'll use us in his kingdom like right. he did for both of you and for me in yeah. Ukraine. Yeah. yeah. And the darkness around you will be like the noon, he says. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's going to be so bright that <laughs> there won't be darkness. Yeah. Hmm. For some reason, I thought you were quoting Lord of the Rings. Nope. Quoting the Bible. <laughs> quoting the Bible. Quoting Isaiah 58. <laughs> I was like, so did Gandalf say that? Yeah. Tyler, not all who wander are lost. <laughs> there it is. That's yeah. a quote from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, all right. Where do we go next? What are we doing? Well, we are continuing the series and I got to look it up. I don't actually remember what the next topic is. Hold on a second. Um, do you remember? Either of you guys remember? Oh, it was a great listening. I, guys, <laughs> this is, this is. Great Guys, I got it. Preaching? I got it. I got it right, I got here, it. right here. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, it's Tim. Tim's talking about dumping your anger in the trash. Yeah. All right. James one. It's going to be good. Cool. So that, that means Tim will be here next week. Hopefully. Yeah. He's, a, he's out of town right now. So hopefully we get a couple good have to, Tim stories out of it. You'll have to tell that story again about the guitar, Marion, because obviously it was lost. He'll on know. Oh, yeah. he'll, he'll know Robbie he'll, Robertson. He'll appreciate that way more than we did. <laughs> he'll probably, he probably have like a personal Robbie Robertson yeah, story. Like, yeah. Did I tell, ever tell you Robbie Robertson <laughs> lived in my basement for yeah. six years? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Friends of the pod, you can hold us to it. He yeah. will have a Robbie Robertson story. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Okay. So we will uh, catch up then, but for now, Marin, will you please send us out? I surely will. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 